All right. Hello, everybody. It's Dr. Rick here. And joining me is someone I consider to be a very good friend, a confidant, a business partner, and my advisor when it comes to things like credit and all that good stuff like that. Uh, if there's a person on this planet more busier than me, it's probably her. <laughs> uh, so she's got Jamaican blood in her somewhere. Because she got about 15 jobs that, of course, she runs and owns. But um, her, this is Tiffany Banks Parker. I, I still have to get used to the park. I said Banks for so yeah. long. But uh, <laughs> uh, you guys, you know, are doing just a wonderful job over there on the East Coast. Uh, it's an honor to have partnered with you. First, it was honored that you asked me to come aboard because you had put in so much of the work already. But I am definitely honored. Uh, we've been doing this thing for a while now. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, today we're going to talk about uh, this crisis that I've been harping to you guys about for a while. Y'all probably hard tired of hearing me talk about it over the last few weeks. Uh, but we're going to get into some of the numbers. We're going to get into some of the cause, cause causes or the causality. Uh, we need to talk about some of the things we need to do uh, to mitigate uh, this because it's a real issue and it's not getting better. It's getting worse. Um, and we're going to talk about that. But Tiffany, uh, introduce yourself just one more time. It's not like the first time you've been on here, but introduce yourself. Let them a little, know a little bit about what it is you do and your passion. And then they'll figure the rest out as we get going. Um, hello, everybody. Uh, I'm sure that you all have seen me before because I've joined uh, Dr. Rick uh, several times on his uh, podcast shows. Um, but however, um, let me reintroduce myself. My name is Tiffany Banks Parker. I am also um, the founder of the Black-Owned Business. Well, it was formerly the Black-Owned Business Network on Facebook, but it is now Black-Owned Community and Networking. And um, what we do over there is we give pertinent business information um, we talk about community issues, which is why I'm here today, because we have a uh, pertinent community issue that needs to be discussed and we need to keep discussing it. Um, but I am all things business and all things community. I am a licensed realtor in the state of Georgia. I uh, sell life insurance. I, I am licensed in so many areas. Um, I dibble and dabble in law. That is my background from, from school. Also, at this moment, I am working on a project to build affordable housing um, for the people in the state of Georgia. So that'll be something that I can talk about at, at another time as we get it off the ground. But that is another thing that we as a community need to be discussing how people are being priced out of housing and the homeless population. But that's just a brief introduction to who I am. And um, uh, like Rick said, we, we've been knowing each other for a long time now. Um, we often collaborate on different things. And I am pleased to join him anytime he asks me to do something <laughs> because uh, I, I know his heart. I know that um he is for community as well um so i'm just glad to be here to discuss this topic with him and to um hopefully uh make some progress i don't know you know what we're gonna do but but this is how we get started we come together 
and we discuss things and we try to find a solution. But yeah, that's that's here I am. <laughs> right. Uh, one more thing. If you guys are thinking about, you know, a lot of times uh, you have me got on here talking about the importance of multiple streams of income and my seven day online business launch course. That's the front end of it. Uh, once you get it up, you need to know how to structure it, whether it's going to be an LLC, a C-Corp, S-Corp, all the stuff like that. Tiffany can help you out with that, uh, getting your company structured, getting it uh, to where it's protected and it's uh, get you protected from any business liabilities by incorporating your company, all that stuff like that. Like I said, we have, I mean, if it's something to do with business growth and everything like that, somewhere along the line, we've got it covered. And so that's just some of the things. Now, when it comes to missing women, I've been literally writing and lecturing on this for 20 years now. So it's nothing new. Uh, I've been talking about uh, when I first started talking about it, it was 64,000 uh, missing black women. I think we're up over 70,000 now. And um, it's sort of in the same vein when I started to talk about childhood sexual abuse in black women, mm -hmm. because in the early 2000s, I had a large number of clients who were coming to me, black females, and it seemed like like almost all of them had dealt with childhood sexual abuse. So I called a uh, a colleague of mine. And I'm like, hey, man, is, is this something you're seeing, too? And he was like, you know, I say, is it something you're seeing or is it just every woman that's ever been sexually molested as a child decided to pick me? And he go like, no, nah, man, I'm saying the same thing. And the crazy thing then, it wasn't any isolated or uh, committed research on, along the lines of race, gender in that area to the point to where we could really see what was going on with it. So we started pushing for it. And I personally got involved in setting up and trying to do that. And we found out that on the uh, liberal side of the numbers, as high as 60% of our women were in some way uh, experienced childhood sexual abuse as minors. And on the conservative end, 40%. So even if you say that's exaggerated numbers, the more conservative numbers we got was 40%. So almost half of our women have went through that. So I went through that. So now we're, we're the same thing is happening with missing black women. You know, and people will say, uh, it's just because the internet is there now we know about it more. No, the numbers are actually going up. There's a tracking of this and the numbers are increasing. There are major spikes and it's across the board, but we make up a disproportionate number of women missing. As a total population, black females make up 7% of the population, but we make up over 35% of those who go missing. And so you, you shared something with me yesterday, Tiffany, about a, a spike within a two-week period in Cleveland that when I read it, I'm like, man, what the hell's happening there? And, and while that may have some type of local influence, it's a reflection of what's going on uh, across the board. So what are you seeing and what has alarmed you? I know between the two of us, we've got these missing kids coming across our desk every day that we're trying to get the word out and help locate. And, you know, some of them are young ladies as well. Uh, so black women under the age of 25. Right. So yeah. the first thing I want to say is um, for people, I don't want us to get complacent in this because we see all of these uh, posts coming down, uh, talking about missing children or whatever. And at first, what happens is at first we start off sharing them and OK, and then we get used to seeing it and we stop. 
Um, I just want to let everybody know that every time, every time, I don't care. You know, I know that it's cumbersome sometimes like, oh, here we go again. But this is very serious. We need to share them every time we see them. I try to share every last post um, that I see. And I also go back and, and try to update the, you know, the post if it's found safe, found deceased or whatever. Um, so that I could, you know, keep a record of what's going on and, you know, maybe even try to identify a pattern. So what I shared with Rick yesterday was what's going on in Cleveland. In a span of two weeks, there are um, between 27 and 30 because the, the reports are conflicting. 27 and 30 uh, young people missing. I don't want to say children because the ages range, but they are young people. Um, missing within two weeks yeah. nobody has seen or heard from these people and so uh a, a fraction of the community is up in arms because when the authorities the law enforcement got on tv talking about this spike in missing people in the span of two weeks um they gave uh explanations like this could be gang related, drug related, runaways. I, you know, those were the explanations that they gave for these people being missing. Now, um, that that could be true, but let's think about it. We have twenty-seven to thirty people missing. Um, are all of those people in, involved in some type of drugs or gang banging? Or has everyone run away? I mean, it, it just doesn't make sense. And it it, it it makes less sense when we look at the whole. This is a spike in Cleveland, but this is happening everywhere. Everywhere. People are going missing, young people. And like Rick said, it is the majority young, black, and female. This is the constant in the people that are going missing. So why are they going missing? And why um, are the authorities so willing to write it off as these people had some kind of deviant lifestyle going on that may be the cause of them going missing? If we're talking about um, 13 and 14 year olds, even if they, they have to stay somewhere, you know, um, if you're gang banging, you have to lay your head somewhere. If you have run away, usually, you know, you, you find a friend's house, wherever they run away, somebody would have seen these people. They are somewhere, even if they are involved in these activities that the authorities say that they are involved in, where are they? Why hasn't anybody seen them? You know, when you get done gang banging, what do you do? Do you disappear? Or do you go home or well, go to somebody's house? What I mean, I, I just well, don't understand. The thing is, anytime you hear those particular uh, reasons presented for something like this, it's gang related, there are runaways. That's typically the escape or the excuse given to black parents or people of color, primarily black though, uh, when they present this. We know for a fact that when a white blonde kid goes missing that the narrative is different there's a national the little the the the, the, the blonde that was met right on the tour with her boyfriend and all of a sudden ended up missing the whole nation lost his freaking mind we still trying to figure out what happened to natalie holloway right 
Okay, so we right. know for a fact, and I've literally talked with some of the top reporters who do these Dateline things and stuff like that, and they acknowledge it. They openly acknowledge that the media covers the uh, the missing and the murders of black people differently than they do white and especially white females. And so the first thing is that when you have a lack of media coverage, you have a lack of exposure. You have mm -hmm. a lack of exposure, you have a lack of attention and interest. Then the media is telling you this person is important. It's also instilling a mindset. When a blonde person goes missing, it's important. When a melanated person goes missing, it's just they either ran away they involved in drugs or prostitution, which is another big one. Um, but what we're not dealing with is the causality. First and foremost, uh, we got to talk about the, the, rise in, uh, the rise in human trafficking, sex trafficking. We need to talk about that mm -hmm. because it's a big issue. Most people don't realize that when we talk about illegal industries in the world, uh, human trafficking is second only to weapons, weapons trafficking. It, ha it makes more money annually on a global scale than drug trafficking. You know, so there's big money in that and that when you start to see a spike in a certain population age wise, that says something. Then when you see it in specific that it's prevalent within a race, it tells you to me when, it, when you know that a significant portion of these girls, I was looking at the numbers for 2022. 546,568 5, 5, people were reported missing. Out of that, 35% of them were black with the predominance being female. So 191,000 of those were black. And about 80% of that were, now some of them come back up missing. They were, they was, they snuck off, they went there and, mm -hmm. and, and that's understood. But the bottom line is the fact that we get caught up in the idea that, well, most of them is my whole thing. Whatever happened to the fact that if it was just one girl missing, we're up in a we're up in auroras, we're up in the arms. What happened to the fact that that one life matters? That that's somebody's daughter, that's somebody's granddaughter, that's somebody's sister and cousin that's missing. Why do we need these astronomical numbers to all of a sudden say we have a problem? What happened to valuing black female life? And to me, that's an issue on a bigger scale because it it, is. <laughs> it's going up, not just in how many of our men, women are missing, but how many of our women are getting killed predominantly by our men. Right. And so right. What, what, when are we going to talk about that? But see, uh, that's a problem to me. Man, to me, and I say this all the time, Tiff, then I'm going to let you run with it. To me, everybody talks about providers, providers, providers. Mm -hmm. I tell all of my daughters, I tell my nieces, let me tell you something. Yeah, you want a man that can handle this, handle this business, paying the bills and money and stuff like that. But that's not where you're going to see how much a man is truly committed and how much he actually values you. Because men will use money for manipulation. They'll right. give you money. They'll pay your bills if they got it. If and you know, and I've been in this space where money went. I shoot. I shoot you a little something. Don't mean jack. Mm -hmm. If a man protects you, he values you because in protecting you, he puts himself in harm's way. And so, look for the protection. And if we don't show that we're willing to protect, we will never be respected. Number two, 
our women would never be valued. You can't ask somebody to say, stop doing that. And like, you ain't stopped us. The bottom line is, if I don't want you doing something, I'm going to do something that creates a consequence for you doing it. It's real right. simple. And if that's not happening, then we got to ask ourselves why. And, and, and But we've got an entire culture that creates an excuse for a man not being a man, and it's normally mm -hmm. blaming the woman. Mm -hmm. That's not... I wasn't real that way. Now, maybe this is a whole new age. I wasn't real that way. I wasn't real that the way that you are a king and the way that you are the head of the house is that you blame the woman for everything. No, it, the buck stops with you. If stuff ain't going right in the house, it might very well be her. But you need to do something about it. You need to figure it out. But, right. So, and the thing <laughs> is, that, that that's the problem I got, first of all. Then we can start talking about the influence of social media. A lot of these kids are... The victim mm -hmm. of predators online that mm -hmm. are coming at them uh, as wolves in sheep's clothing and telling them, you know, give in the, you know, especially it, and when I think about these little teenage girls, the first thing I think about is mama used to say she's starting to smell herself. But it's that 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 point where you want to experience freedom. You know, you want to kind of do your thing and mom putting the hammer down, dad putting the hammer down. Here comes this guy. You ain't got to put up with all that. You old enough to make your own choices. If I was this, I would let you do that. I would let you do this. Shoot her a little money on cash app because everybody got that on phone now. Mm -hmm. I, we were talking about this the other day, Tiff. Um, me and my homeboys, we were laughing about it. I even seen a post on social media where you say, what happened to the days? These kids these days will never know the struggle of having to call a girl at her home on her mm -hmm. phone. <laughs> and her brother, her dad, her mom picks up the phone and says, what you doing calling here this late? Right. Oh, you can't talk, she on punishment. Which sends a message, we got rules in this house. Mm-hmm. Well, now we bypass all of that and go straight to the girl. We don't, we done talked to her for a year and ain't never heard of mama's voice, a dad's voice, nobody in the family. And so to me, that is another issue that we've got to deal with. So back to just back it up a little bit about the coverage that um, blonde hair women get as opposed to the coverage that um, black women get. Um, I just want to reiterate why I said that we need to share each time that we see these posts because um, we have to act as our own media outlet. Um, we have social media. We, if we know that we are not going to get the national coverage or the coverage from these big outlets, we need to do it ourselves. So we don't need to get exhausted in sharing because we are all we have um, right. in some areas. Um, so again, if you see it, share it. <clears throat> Another thing you um, spoke about was the community. Um, I call it the erosion of the community because we are to a point where we have all these other things going on, especially, you know, we can say talk about providing and protecting, but then we would have to talk about the reasons why, like you said, why, why are we this way? Every day that I log on to social media, um, I can guarantee that I will come across at least five to six posts or uh, recordings of a podcast or whatever. Um, either a black man or a black woman, um, and it's it's still this this butting of the heads, this war thing. 
Right. You are to blame. No, you are to blame. No, this is what black men should be doing. No, this is what black women should be doing. And so when you read these things and when you see these things, you see the devaluing um, of of one another. Um, So um, and and I don't want to be uh, biased because I am a woman, but I see the majority of it um, from from black men the devaluing of black women. So they um, do not feel like they have an obligation um, to protect black women, uh, even though they may have daughters, they have mothers, they have aunts, they have sisters. They don't, you know, and then you'll even have some to, to say, well, you know, I'll protect my people. But I think what we don't realize is that we are a community as a whole. Um, it's only so long that we can operate um, on an in individual level, um, because what happens to one of us, eventually it just trickles down right. <laughs> like <Right>. capitalism, <laughs> it right. trickles down and we are affected, um, as a whole. I like to use the example when, um, I was advocating heavily for children and people would tell me, well, my children are fine. And this is how I raise my children to be A, B, C, and D. And I'm like, fine. But when those children get old enough to go out into the world, who are you sending them out to the world um, with? You're sending them, you, you, you don't know who you're sending them out to the world. So I can be at home and I can raise my children to have certain morals and values. And if person B over here has not done that, and their child does not value life or, you know, and does not have any values at all or morals and goes out here and does something to my son who I had have raised or, or my child who I have raised to be a certain kind of way, then that affects me. So that's why we need to worry about um, the whole, the collective of us. Right. So well, we, we, we operate as social enclaves. Uh, as humans, we are mammals, and by the very nature of our species and design, we're meant to be social creatures. We're meant to work together. We're mm -hmm. meant to create. And what happens is when we do what you're talking about doing, we isolate ourselves. And we do that in a couple of ways. We do that in co through colorism. Mm -hmm. We do it through genderism. We do it through elitism by way of classism. Right. Once we reach a certain pay level, we don't mess with them no more. Exactly. And we think that we've arrived and we've escaped the claws of racism. But racism is what? Actually, the gatekeeper to elitism. That's what capitalism is. Right. Racism is simply an easy way to define who's in what group so we can know how to manage them. Exactly. And, and, and so when we understand that the few, the few, the few, however you define uh, success, and I want to give it back to you, however you define success, whether it's a six figure income, seven figures, whatever understand that even at seven figures you're still nowhere near the top one percent and so those are the ones pulling the levers pulling the strings controlling things and as you can see even with someone like kanye who is a who was a billionaire when he <laughs> stepped out of line it took them what about a day and a half to drop him from 2.7 3.7 billion down to 400 million mm -hmm. so again you were isolated and protected. And what happened, it was easy to do that to Kanye. Why? He had alienated his base, which was us. Mm -hmm. 
And so we've got to understand that it's in the collectivism in the 48 million of us, 45, 46 million, they recall. I think it's more like 48 million of us. That's where the strength is, but it's also in the unification. J. Edgar Hoover said the greatest threat to national security is black unity. And so that's the thing. So, so, and and I want to talk, you said something about Kanye and, um, you know, he was billionaire status. Uh, I was looking at a YouTube podcast or it was like a recording or something. And the guy was talking about something similar to what we're discussing now, um, as far as black people uh, moving as a unit, as a collective or whatever. And he said something very interesting. He said that if uh, we if we created uh, two more uh, billionaires to date within a black community, like if there were two more people that suddenly became billionaires, we would still not have the authority and power to shift the shape that we are in right now. And that's um, because the the gap is so wide and um, it would take us years. We don't have enough time to do it. We will have to achieve it um, by another means. And the only means is is unification. It will not be economics. I don't know who needs to hear that. I push economics because money is good. Money is good to have. We can use money as a foundation to do what we need to do in other areas. But the change will not because we don't have enough money. We don't have enough time to make enough money to actually um, control these things that we need to control. We still have to answer to an authority that does not look like us. Um, when I work with people on a business level, and I, I want to, uh, when I talk about the the black uh, owned community and networking page that I started, I don't um, give people because people ask me all the time, you know, well, black owned. I, I do stress that yes, we need to support each other in black owned businesses because this is just uh, one of the steps in many steps. It's one of the, it is not the solution. I don't push that this is the solution. This is how we are going to get um, free. I don't do that. When people ask me about Black-owned banks, I am totally honest with them. There is no such thing as a Black-owned bank. (laughs) So we had a movement um, not too long ago with Killer Mike and um, Andrew Young and somebody else here um, in Atlanta. And I want people to understand this is why, you know, and where research comes in that a lot of times um, we are talking about black owned when it's really just black run or black represented because these banks that, you know, taught themselves as um, black owned, they are just black run because if something happens, they still have to answer to the authority of people that don't look like us that have allowed these places to be so think about that that have allowed these places to be so when we start um understanding that there's things that we are not in control of and i just i i'm really trying to watch my words here but um i think that I think that we need to really, if we, unity is going to be the, the, the only way. 
um, we need to get over this uh, gender war phase. There are some issues. Yeah, we have to sit down and but, but we have to sit down and discuss it in a way that brings about solutions. Uh, my, me, myself, I'm sick of it. I'm sick of, you know, I think maybe at one point I was part of the problem because I see something and I see black men like, yeah, 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 this is what y'all do. But um, after yeah, a while, you need to give us the business. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But <laughs> after a while, I mean, how long can you do that, though? Um, if you're a solution based person, if you if you're truly tired of seeing something tired of the behavior, then at some point you have to sit down and say, um, well, I want to be a part of the solution now. I don't want to keep adding on to the problem and going back and forth, back and forth. Um, it's it's not working. It's getting it's it's, it's old now. When something is fragmented, and this is something that I use with my clients, it's something I use with my kids, and it was actually presented to me by my great grandfather, who was my adopted father. And he didn't present it this way, but I, this is the way I interpret it, and this is the way I pass it on. Anytime something is fragmented, we go back to elementary school. We talk fractions. We talk of fragments. Then you look for the what? The common denominator. I tell people all the time, when you're complaining about this, complaining about that, complaining about this, that's wrong, that's wrong, she did this, he did all this here. Who's the common denominator in all that? You. You're the only person. In, you could have had 15 dudes that did you bad. You're the only common denominator in that. So you've got some culpability in it. It's not that they were right in how they treated you. It was that it was something in you that brought them in and allowed them to get that close to do it. It's, if you fix that, you don't have to worry about it because they can, when you are where you need to be, they can't get close enough to run that bull on you. Right. Same thing in a broader scope. Okay. Women are saying men doing this. Men are saying doing that. And I tell and what I tell brothers when they start that with me, look, man, we got plenty of complaints about sisters. They got complaints about us. But here's what I've learned in life. If you want to be considered a leader, if you want to be called a king, buck stops with you. But here's the other thing, though. Regardless whether you're male or female, it always works best when you decide to start with you. When you sit up and say, what can I do to be better? Because if I'm better, everything around me starts to get better. But if I'm always looking at what's wrong on that, who's working on me? So whenever I look at what's going on, no matter what's happened, it's like, okay, how can I be better? Yeah, that person did this, or yeah, that company did that, or yeah, they did. But what can I do to be better? If we could take that mindset of how we're going to be better, then all of a sudden, now everybody's not only working on themselves, they're starting to see other people's point of view. And right. what we do is when we stop pointing the finger of blame, we start listening we start to say, well, you got a valid point. But when you get into that emotional thing where I want to blame, it's not about solving. It's about winning. And you don't solve problems trying to win. You solve problems by saying, I understand. And where is the solution? And that's the valid point. And I agree with you 100%. When you look at the fact that the wealth gap is wide, and let me show you how wide it is. Just 10 years ago when I did it, it was 147, 148,000 to 17,000. It is now 177,000 to 14,000. This is median household wealth. This is median household wealth. Now, Asians are closing the gap. They were at 90 when I checked 10 years ago. They're almost at 100. And they are the highest earners. But tell me a group that's uh, more socially unclaimed and anchored in their communities. 
And now what I paid attention to, and I, I guarantee you, nobody's paying attention to it, but I, I watch for stuff that the average person doesn't watch for. There's these commercials that come on oxygen because I'm always studying crime and human behavior. Mm-hmm. There's these where the Asian community, where they used to used to be class, major classism in Asia, China, Japan, didn't mess around with Laos and Cambodia. Mm-hmm. Right. Not anymore. Korea, Vietnam, China, Japan, those Asian communities now are coming together and seeing how they have things in common and they're coming together and grouping together. If they are already, if they're already doing what they're doing and closing the wealth gap and saying we're going to create man in Houston, there's a section of Houston where the street names aren't even written in English. The, the, everything is written in that, and I think it's Korean or Vietnamese, mm-hmm. but it's written that way, and it's for blocks and blocks and blocks on the southwest side of Houston. And you go in there, and you just got to figure it out. You want to come over here, and that's what they're doing. And here we are; we've been here the longest, and we can't get the unity thing down. Now, at one point in time, we were, and the the crazy thing is. We lost sight of the fact that we were fighting for our human rights and start fighting for acceptance. Mm-hmm. And in fighting for acceptance, and we gave up the ground right. we made. We we lost the initially it was like I got a right to XYZ, and then it started becoming why you won't let me eat here. Right. And what happens is at the time that we were doing that, we had our own restaurants, our own bus companies, our own theaters own cab companies, own shoe companies, cleaners, stores. And it wasn't just in Tulsa, Oklahoma. It wasn't just in Rosewood. It wasn't just in uh, Durham, North Carolina. I mean, uh, Wilmington, North Carolina, and Slocum, Texas, and those places that you hear about that was, this was normal. This is what we did. But what happened is you can't sit up and patronize self and patronize them equally. You only have so much money. So we really literally sold the inside of our community the Jews predominantly who then decided we don't need it anymore in the late seventies and early eighties and sold it to Asians and Arabs along with the blueprint. Right. So we, we started, you know, um, fighting for proximity. That's what I call it. Yeah. Proximity to the other. Right. Yeah. We want to, we want to do this. And this is why we are in the condition that we're in. If you look at, um, almost any statistic that's out there um we are at the bottom <laughs> if it's bad we are at the bottom and yep. it is because um lack of community lack of unity when you said that other races find a commonality and that's how they come together on what they have in common uh we have yet to do that um, we do it sometimes in in you know in small groups but we have yet to do that um, to make a large enough impact. Because if we did that, then there would not be so many black women missing because we would be able to set all of this aside and um, come together and put a stop to this. And then another thing that we don't do is when things happen, we do not, um, there's no consequence. You can do anything to us. You can do anything to our children. You can do anything to the women. There is no consequence. We have no consequence uh, of people. So they just keep doing it again. If you keep, you know, if you don't get punished for something, we don't we don't have any consequence. What we do is we wait on uh, law enforcement and other people to um, render a consequence. And when that doesn't happen, we just move on. 
There is no but, consequence for doing anything to us. And this is why people are missing. This is why we have so much dysfunction within the community because there's no consequence and there's no unity. Black, the Black Voice family, how many times have you heard me say that if you want to stop a type of behavior, a type of infringement and encroachment upon your rights, the only way to do that is to apply a negative consequence to it. I've been telling you guys this for years, that you can't preach morality to white people and think that showing them how they are morally bereft and morally off base by how they're handling you, that all of a sudden that's going to change. You don't think they know? They created the system. They do know. Exactly and and then does. just to interrupt you for a minute, if you even if you have those white people that um, will say to you that I see um, the things that are being done to you. I see, um, I see the wrongs. I see this, that, and the other, and they will stand with you. If you double back and say, okay, you see all of this, you have acknowledged that, you know, we have been treated badly, unjustly, unfairly or whatever. Um, so how about relinquishing some of your power? Mm -mm. That's no. where the book stops. So no. even if they stand with you, they will come together they will even come together with those people that they know um, are not right within their own race to keep that collective power that they have. They are not willing, even They're the ones that know that you um, are being mistreated, that black people have gone through A, B, C, and D. They will not. They will not. That's where it stops. Okay, we know that you've been, but hey, we're not. We're not willing to relinquish right. any power to give you um, a one up on us. We're no, not, they're not willing to do it. They're not going to relinquish privilege. They show you that all the time. Exactly. No, they're prime, not. Prime example. To a everybody's account of Darren Wilson shooting Mike Brown was he was at least 25 or 30 feet away. So Mike was unarmed and didn't oppose immediate threat and had his hands in the air saying, don't shoot. And he shot him, what, nine times. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then they left him out in the street. When it showed that that was a possible, he hadn't he hadn't actually been charged yet, but that was a chance he was going to be charged. He was facing charges uh, for murdering Mike Brown. Within less than a month, before GoFundMe decided to take it down and create their new policy that they would not allow you to raise funds for someone mm -hmm. charged of a crime of violence, he raised over half a million dollars by people who have to know that you can't say that that's okay it would you wouldn't in the way that you say the way you judge that is the litmus test for that is if that was my kid would that be okay it's real simple if now if you look at something and say man i don't know what i don't know what junior was thinking when he did that then junior probably deserved to get shot because you looking at it too going yeah you were shooting at the dude junior but hands up everybody is saying the same thing then uh jordan neely Choked to death in the subway train. This guy, they arrest him in 24 hours, $2 million. Mm -hmm. On cold like crazy. Mm -hmm. We're suffering. We sit up and say, okay, we're trying to do this in the community. $10. $5. Mm -hmm. If you look. <laughs> now, the only way black people show up, somebody got to die. And we'll pay for the funeral. Right. And, and and you know what? I hate to come off as lecturing black people because um, we, we don't need another parent. Uh, maybe sometimes we do or whatever. But 
Um, I, I hate when I have to do shows about priorities. Um, and usually it's when I'm talking about things like life insurance, um, because the majority of us are not super wealthy where we cannot afford things like that. And so I'm stressing that this needs to be a priority to cut down on some of the suffering and the suffering of your offspring if anything should happen to you. So it's it's like, you know, no, we are not on cold. We are not taking care of things that should be high on the priority list. And then we are continuing to suffer for it. So yeah, they, you know, the lady down in Florida, I'm not sure if she has a GoFundMe or not, but I think she does. She does have you one. Know, you know, it, this is like, we and we are always um trying to operate out of some type of respectability politics or something like that because you know we are trying i don't know i don't know what i want to call it if we are still trying to get approval or afraid of being labeled angry black people but there are some things that we should be angry about when you shoot somebody through a door in front of their children those are the same children that are be out in the community traumatized somebody's gonna have to deal with with the trauma and, and and the suffering that they're going through it's like it just it's just a cycle that keeps going on and on and on and on and then we get out here and we want to i'm not saying go out here and tear up anything no that's not the solution but i'm saying we should be allowed to express our anger our, you know our, our grief well, see, or whatever yeah, instead of worrying about how white people or other people are going to perceive us because when they give this money they don't give a damn they don't care that somebody shot through a door and killed a woman in front of her children they don't care if somebody's brains was blown out when when they had their hands up they don't care that somebody was choked to death on a subway they are like this is my money i can do what i want to do with it i don't care what happened i want to support these people but we are so afraid of supporting people that may be labeled as black radicals and stuff like that because we are concerned about how we're being viewed by people that don't give a damn about us. Period. They Period. don't care. And, 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 and here, here, here's the other influence that I always talk about and then we can move, start moving towards this whole missing, missing, missing uh, black females thing, which I've been really talking about and the people on here know that this has been a real big issue for me forever. I mean, you go to the site, there are so many articles I've written on it, I've lectured on it, and like the last few weeks, I've lost my mind on it. But here's this thing. So uh, like with what went on with uh, the young lady down in Ocala, uh, where she shot through the door, uh, my thing is, what you find is also, there's, there's, there's big money in Black death. Oh, Police yeah. officers uh, get, get money for defense funds that they never have to actually use because they're never actually really charged 95% of the time. Then you have these black attorneys who come in, swoop in, negotiate these settlements with these cities for whatever's going on, and the family get the lump sums. And what we don't realize is that's not how you fight this. That They are basically buffers for a white system. You think $5 million to a, multi, a multi-billion dollar entity like a city really matters, and especially when it's coming from an insurance policy? So, so, and, and a lot of times it comes from the taxpayers, right? So they're so, not actually paying it, right? So, then what happens is this though when I come in and I settle, that's why you've got a mother saying, I don't want you protesting, is because she's already thinking about, and, and, and I get it, the financial security of in the future of those children that no mm-hmm. longer have a mom. I get it, but here's the thing 
she's been advised, hey, tell them to calm down. And they weren't having, so they showed up anyway. And and, and so that was this big beef about do you respect her wishes? You got to say where it comes from. Here's the problem. When you get people like Merritt and Crump who show up, they're there to make a settlement. They're, they're not there to go to trial. And people right. say, well, what's the difference, Doc? Here's the difference. And Tiff, you know this. You, you have a legal background. Right. The difference is if I settle nine times out of 10, that settlement has a no disclosure clause in it that you can no longer talk about the case once you receive the settlement. The exact same thing happened with Trayvon Martin's uh, uh, case. Right. And the flip side of that is if we take it to trial, we got depositions. Mm-hmm. We, before the trial, before we even get into court, we're d- deposing witnesses. Now we got it on re- record, in legal record, on file for public observance, what happened. Now we got cases that we can take outside the U.S. government and take it to a world court and say our human rights are being violated within this country and they're buying our lives with payoffs. And this, and then we can look at this. But if we never sit up and we never get the depositions on file because we're not going to trial, we're settling, and we are asking the family to shut up, or you can actually end up having to pay this money back. Then the family's over here, and the problem is nobody's even establishing any type of means of preparing that family of knowing what to do with that type of money. So ten years from now, they don't have it. Any, they don't even have that. Right. So I think the last trial that I've seen that has actually happened was Trayvon uh, Martin. And after that, um, we know that there was a settlement. We know that an organization was started. Um, But. I mean, (laughs) right. That's it. That's it. They are. They cannot cannot speak about it. Right. Um, They cannot. You know, so this is this is what happens. This is, you know. And that's why it doesn't, it doesn't benefit us. It doesn't no. benefit us as a community. It benefits uh, the families. It should benefit the family. They should get something. I'm not saying that they should not, but no. it doesn't benefit what they're getting the more, but it needs to be done in a way that we sit up and we send a message back to the, the point of consequence. Right. That it stops. It, and it, it has to stop. It, it, it has, it has continued. It, it was continuing before then. There is no consequence. There's like, nothing. There's no. I think that not only should a police officer who wrongfully kills someone be uh, charged with and convicted of murder, I think they should lose their pension. I think then you start thinking because now I'm not just screwing myself; I'm screwing my family. And so you start thinking there has to be a consequence. And what happens in a capitalist society? Is the thing the way to hurt most people is financial. Most people, right. most people don't care about you, so you they can't to appeal to their morality. The first step needs to be uh, decertification, because when you what people don't understand is a lot of times, um, you know, you see these police officers get fired, and they're like, "Oh yeah, yeah, they're out of a job." Well, no, they aren't, because they still they are still certified. They can just go to another county, another city, or whatever, and they can still be a police officer. They need right. to be decertified. And the pensions need to be threatened. That yep. that's how we that's that those are the two things where we can stop this uh as far as the police killings uh un, with unarmed black people. Um, as far as our missing people, but where are they first? You know, where where are they? Where are these people? What's happening? So um we can't discuss a solution until we find out really what's going on in that area, but we can discuss prevention. You can be aware. You can, you know, you can, 
we we can be more vocal and more visible when it as it pertains to this this subject of people being missing um i had gone to walmart early one morning and i had my um three young children with me um range from age 10 to 6 and um as i was walking in with them a lady on one of those electric little cart things was coming behind me she was saying hey 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 and i was like i don't know who she's talking to because i don't know her maybe she's talking about somebody else so i was looking around and um, I was like, maybe she's talking to somebody in front of me, but she drove right up on me. And she said, I just wanted to let you know that um, keep your children close because my daughter um, was in this Walmart just the other day and somebody grabbed her child and tried to run out. And I was like, wow, really? Um, and I came back home. I got on the next door app. And because this is what I do, if I hear anything in my area, I want to know what the people in the community are saying. And so um, I got on the app and I, you know, looked at the posts in the surrounding neighborhoods of the Walmart or whatever. And sure enough, uh, people had been reporting that there was a, a white van with black windows um, that was parked like over to the side or something like that. And um, with suspicious activity. Like, you know, men and, you know, getting out no handles and all of this stuff or whatever. Um, so I think that um, as it pertains to missing people, we need to be more aware, be aware of our surroundings. We need to know what's going on in the areas. Keep your children close. Um, you have these young children on, on the Internet uh, meeting all of these folks. We need to try to monitor that. Uh, there's different things that we can do. For prevention but again you know when the people go missing what's happening is it sex trafficking is it you know it's, Oregon you know what is it we need what, to get to the bottom of it what, what well what I've what I've been able to uncover and I've been talking about human trafficking and sex trafficking for a while too for a number of different reasons that are close and personal to me and I think that what we have to understand a couple of things are going on definitely they're being targeted for human trafficking uh -huh. uh, especially when you start talking about ages uh, 13 to 23, 24 black females, uh, a great deal of that, they are being funneled into uh, the sex trafficking part of human trafficking, pri primarily tr uh, prostitution, um, slavery. Uh, some of them being shipped over sleeves and becoming human slaves. Uh, that's happening. It's big business. Um, the other part of it is some of them are literally being lured in by perverts and predators and victimized and killed. Uh, and here's the one that really throws people off is because of our genetic coding and our genetic makeup, our organs are normally good for almost any other race and organ harvesting is real there's a number of times where bodies are found and the organs are missing. And so we have to be aware of all the different things that make us valuable to other people. And we don't have to be alive for that value to be realized. So mm -hmm. our value isn't in our life. It's in what we can produce for other people in different ways. And so what we have to do is start protecting that value. And, and we start by protecting the life. And I know it was immensely hard talking about, uh, you know, my oldest being 37 and my youngest being nine. And I just had one that uh, that graduated 
And I remember when they were younger and they first got phones. Oh my God, trying to keep it. You put all the blockers on. I got every every little thing on, on Verizon. That was with Verizon at the time. Everything on Verizon to make sure I can monitor that phone. That kid will figure out how to get around it. Mm-hmm. And and it, but Verizon will tell me they disabled it, <laughs> and so now I got to go. And they be like, "How is he?" And I but it, and, and it got to the point where it was like, "Oh my God, I can't breathe." Yeah, actually, you can, and it's because I'm up on you like that that you can breathe. Because if you're not careful, you won't breathe ever. Because it's people out there that will look at you. They don't see you the way I see you. They don't see you the way you see you. They see you as something that to exploit something to use and your life can be gone in a minute or it could change forever in a minute and as long as i'm pops it ain't happening on my watch and literally it takes time you can't be that person that's letting your kids device raise them because it's too dangerous out there And, and and i think that that's part of the problem is that we say okay well i need need them to have this because I need to know what's going on with them and I need to be able to reach them. And I said, in this new world, I agree. Back when we were growing up, we didn't have that. Our parents, right. but, but but our parents could pretty much know where we were. Right. It was you a know. different world. Yes, yeah, a completely different world. So your kids need you to be able to get in contact with them. But you also have to understand with them having that device comes a certain level of responsibility as a parent. You can't expect... A 12, 13, 4, you can't expect a 26-year-old to be mature enough to know all the things that's going to come at them in life and be able to manage it and, and move maneuver through it uh, safely. It's just not realistic, and I think that's another thing we've got to stop doing. Fathers, this is from me to you. Stop letting your babies leave the house because they're 18. 18, trust me, think about when you were 18 and think, I'm not sending her out there to get her own place and telling her she's on her own. And boys, too, that 18, you guaranteed you finna, you're about to let them run and sell. I don't care how much you prepare them. That world out there will chew them up and spit them out. Prepare them. Give them, a, give them as much of a head start as possible. Now, that's going to require you to have a certain level of responsibility financially with the way you move and handle your money. Again, we're not closing this wealth gap anytime soon. I think that that's got to be... That's got to be a focus. We need to close it. Are we going to ever catch up? I mean, right now, uh, we would have to do something massive. And based on the numbers that I was able to run and some of the numbers that I've looked at that other people have run over the years, um, we're talking 200 years. Yeah, so that, that's yeah, what I meant. Why we don't we don't have enough time. And I think that we can focus on economics because it's very important. Um, and it will improve our way of living, but we don't need to be um, driven so much by it um, because, like you said, sex trafficking and all of this stuff, it's very lucrative. And don't think for a moment that there are not other black people participating oh, hell yeah. in, the, uh, in the capturing and, and, and abduction of these people are going missing. They are because it pays well. So we're gonna have to shift something. Um, we, we, I think that you know, I think number one is we've got to do more of what we're doing right now. We've got to do more educating. I I, I say this all the time uh, when I'm on is that the reason that we consistently lose, the reason we're at the bottom of the socioeconomic ladder, is because we don't understand how things work. And when you don't understand how things work, you're constantly exploited by the people who do. 
It's that simple. When people know how things work and you don't, they use you on multiple different levels, uh, individually and collectively. They use you because you don't understand how things work. So we have to spend time educating people. And here's what I want to say to the people who are in some way aware, because that's this negative connotation given to woke now. So aware. Um <laughs> It can be frustrating trying to illuminate and present truths to people who have these generationally anchored biases and ideas about what is. And it's frustrating, but there's a level of responsibility that has to go there. I tell people all the time, you're where you're at, not because you were meant to separate yourself from the 90. If you're a part of what was once called the talented 10. Mm -hmm. It wasn't to large yourself over the 90 and say, you should look at you. You wish you could be like me or I don't mess with y'all. It's that you were meant to be a part of leadership. You were meant to be a part of the empowerment mechanism. You were meant to be the ones that sit up and say, hey, let me show you how I did it. Let me show you what you can do differently. Let me show you some love. One of the most powerful things I've seen uh, on the Internet over the last week or so was this young black brother standing outside of Walmart with a sign that says, I'm battling depression, I need a hug. And I watched how a couple of people walked by, especially black men, you know, the idea of hugging on another black man, I don't know, and all this stuff. I watched it, but I said, I wanna see what happens. One person stopped, it was a sister. And when she hugged him, she loved him, she didn't just she hugged him and she was whispering in his ear. And mm. the next thing you know, it didn't race stop being an issue. White women, Latino women, men, and then all of a sudden black men. Start, and, and I could tell his response. He felt more love when the black man hugged him mm -hmm. than when anybody else, because he needed that. And that right there, I said, you know, and my thing is. A lot of people say, man, we would love to see videos and stuff. I don't record a lot of the stuff I do with people because I'm not looking for a photo op. Mm -hmm. I'm not looking for validation. I'm looking for authenticity, authenticity, trust. And when I start working with younger kids, I'm real careful about it because these younger kids in these communities have been photo ops so much that they don't trust. That's right. what that's what politicians do. That's what these nonprofits do. They come in, they do a couple of photo shoots and they go out and show what they did. And then you don't see them anymore. So I don't really do that. And like I had a, uh, and I'm a little emotional right now because I had an issue with a young brother at Walmart yesterday. You know, he's out there and the natural thing to do, because you get caught up in your own world and all the stuff that's going on with you. And you'll kind of be dismissive at times without thinking about it. And he started to walk up on me and I'm like, I don't have it right now. And I didn't because I, you know, I was going to use a card and I couldn't shop for thinking about the look on his face. And he was, he didn't act angry. He said, okay, no problem. Thank you. But I said, that could be my son. Cause he was probably less than 30. I have a son. My oldest son is my second oldest and he's 35. I said, that could easily be my son. I went out there and I got in my truck and I went, I rode around that parking lot till I found him and I blessed him. It wasn't no picture taken, and I'm not going to tell you how much I blessed him with, but it wasn't, wasn't enough for him to do damage to himself significantly, but it was enough to say you're not an afterthought. You know, that this isn't an afterthought blessing. This is like this brother actually cared enough to come find me and give me this. And mm -hmm. his thankfulness and the look in his eyes, 
And we've got to get to that point. Well, number one, black men know how to love on black men. Black men know how, because if we don't love ourselves, that's one of the reasons we're struggling with loving our women. Right. And so that's something like that. But we've got to get to a point where we care enough that we're involved, that we're saying not on my watch. Right. Because me and you are doing this show this morning. There should be a hundred other people doing the same show this morning and every day um especially since we are getting spikes and you know everybody this should be a topic that we talk about every day it should never die because people are still missing right so we have to um see the value in one another and we have to keep it out there this is how you know if we don't know the exact solution we can start here by talking about it by always being in somebody's face saying, hey, did you know such and such is missing? Did you know that 27 people went missing in two weeks? Did you know we have to, you know, I think this is is it's very important. Um, when I do these live sessions, I try to, I, I've never, you, you've never, uh, you'll never see me doing a, a live broadcast talking about a celebrity and who they are dating and things like that just that's just not i'm i'm not into that um you know that's not important and but that's a lot of what i see um where the focus is on we are focused on things that we should not be focused on and while there are other things that are going on in the community that we should be focused on um so again it's priorities and it's valuing each other what do we value if, if we valued each other then I don't think that our numbers would be as high as they are. You know, we we probably can't eradicate, you know, the the whole thing, everybody going, you know, people going missing. But I do think that if we were more in tune um, within the community with each other, then we wouldn't have the problem that we have. It wouldn't be as massive. That's just what I what, what I think. Yeah, I don't I don't think that. You, you ever get to a point in a society as uh, inundated with people as ours that you don't have people coming up missing? You know, we are not in a village. Uh, we have major cities with millions and millions of people. People are going to come up missing. But I think that our disproportion, disproportionate representation uh, in that 35 percent of the people coming up missing are black females then you got to sit up and say we our black women only make up seven percent of the population we are, as an entire race only make up right under 14 percent of the population yet our women alone are making up 30 for 35 percent of those who are missing and disappearing there's an issue and that's well beyond what we would call in science statistical significance so there's a causality and a and a, and a, and a, a compulsion behind it there's a specific reason it's happening and that's the where and you know we can look at some of the things that i know that are influential because i've done the work and i've read but we've got to ask ourselves why are we so easily targeted it's because they feel we are easy targets we're not going right. to create consequence we don't have the unity to become visible and make it an issue it's much easier to snatch us than it is to snatch blondie you snatch blondie the whole world is on alert 
And eventually, no matter what, if I'm not actually going to kill her, if I'm trying to put her in sex trafficking, somewhere along the line, somebody's going to recognize her. Why? Because her face is plastered all everywhere. 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 Uh -huh. and, and with black women, you, you have a black woman, uh, a black woman going missing or you have a black woman um, being killed. The outcry is different. Usually there there's little outcry and then there's bickering within the, the race because we have, you know, well, what did she do? Was she running her mouth. See, those are the questions that, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm trying to stop cussing, but um. <laughs> But that's the type of, of, of bull crap um, that I see. Even we, we want to go back to um, Sandra Bland. What pissed me off the most about that is that, you know, when she was found dead and everything, instead of placing the blame on, you know, how did this happen? She should not have been there in the first place or whatever. Um, we, we have people within our own community. It was like, well, she should have just complied. Just be quiet. Just don't put the cigarette out or whatever. You know, that's, I, I don't, you know, it's always some type of blame uh, that's to the victim for something right. happening to them. And so we see it when these girls go missing. Uh, they being fast. You know, they, you know, in, in the, the over-sexualization of our young girls, I mean, it's just fucking disgusting. Right. You know, because it's always, uh, they've done something to deserve Right. Well, and, and, and it happens on both sides. It's an over-sexualization and objectification of our young girls. So early on, it's how sexy and all this stuff. And, and then social media just amplifies it because now right. they're trying to be sexy because mm -hmm. that's the thing. You ain't old enough to be sexy. Sit your ass down somewhere. But But that's the thing. And then when it comes to black males, think about it. When somebody gets killed in the black community, what's the first thing that we start trying to do? We start trying to qualify them for the sympathy we feel that they should get by saying he graduated with an A, he had a 4.0 grade point average. He had, we trying to say, because no, did he do anything to deserve to be killed? I don't care if he's got a record. I don't care if he's been down before, whatever. Did he do something in this particular point in time that justifies him being shot eight times? If right, not, because we've been conditioned to do that. Because yeah. when when the when the large outlets pick it up, uh, they will use mug shots instead of you know other Graduation things that they have access to. Right? They will use them. We have been conditioned because um, they'll use all of this these derogatories. So we feel now that we have to counteract that every time somebody gets killed, and we have to come out with all of these good things um, to say about them to justify why we should get justice for this person when when the simple question is just what you said what did they do to did, did they were they doing anything wrong at right. this at this time it does right. not but we we bring in all of these other factors and then you know i don't know why we just can't see the flip but in the in the case of this guy strangling um this young man on the subway every time i see a headline or or anything they are always describing this guy as a Marine, the Marine, the Marine. Y'all have to get, you know, see what they're doing with these words. Because right. when you say Marine in people's heads, this is somebody that is um, fighting for their country. Country, you know, patriot. Yeah, a yeah, patriot. 
this somebody that has love for their country. They keep using this, a Marine, a Marine. But they're saying very little that this young man that he killed had documented uh, mental illness. It documented that, you know, he was, he had, the reason he had been arrested so many times was because of the mental illness and because of the help that he was not getting. Which is another you know? issue. <laughs> which is another issue that, again, that I'm, I'm dealing with right now uh, with a couple of clients. It's like, until something like that happens, there's no help. And then once something like that happens, it's too late. And, right. you know, there's just no help. That's why your homeless population is growing like it's growing. It's because we're not dealing with mental health. And so my crazy thing is when I see those same headlines uh, and I see Marine, first thing that goes through my mind is I see the opposite. And that is you're a Marine, you're trained. You know what that chokehold does. You know that you only have to have that person that, that chokehold for 30 seconds to re render them unconscious and no longer a threat. You had it for 15 minutes. That that, that that didn't never cross your mind. Come on. But see, when you see Marine, you're automatically triggered. This person uh, served, 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 hero. All these different things that you normally associate with Marines, you never hear about all the stuff that they do as Marines, as soldiers, as airmen, as sailors, when they come home and they beat their wives, when they come home, because they come home with issues. Right. Okay. And I'm not doubting, I, I, I'm not mitigating or maligning or, or marginalizing that. You go off and serve your country and you come back and you get treated like crap. That's always been the case. That's an issue needs to be dealt with too. But what I'm saying is don't act like these people come home and just all of them are upstanding and you got some who are. I know a few of them who are clients of mine that are just unbelievable and doing some remarkable stuff. But I also know a whole bunch that's struggling, just trying to get some help from the system and can't get it. And then you got all these people on the street that can't get it. And then I'm going to go all the way back to the statement you made. Then I'm going to shut up is when our babies are objectified like that and we don't do anything about it we over sexualize them and we're talking about how sexy how all this stuff like that and then there's then there's this actual push where they're trying to push for policies to normalize uh uh pedophilia and ephebophilia and 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 we don't understand what's going on in this world and we're not standing up and we're not being a unified voice and a unified mechanism and we're not sending out a message if you mess with my babies off with your head that's got to be the message if you mess with our women you mess with our kids or our elderly off with your head period and and and, and nobody wants to talk like that because everybody wants to be friends right. i don't i don't have a problem with y'all until y'all make it a problem and then right. I, I, I have no problem going all the way. One thing, me and Dr. King in, in philosophies have our differences, especially the earlier version of Dr. King. But that latter version, that's my dude. And one of the things he said is that a man that doesn't have something for which he is willing to die isn't fit to live. Right. And, and so, you know, I know that we have we started off with one topic and that's the missing women. But we have started talking about several different topics because all of this ties in together and what is the constant is the unity of of black people of of our community um there's none there's none there's uh, there's no unity so this is why these things are prevalent um when we go back to the subway i'm sure uh, i i know that there were a whole bunch of black people on that subway that could have said hey stop in 15 minutes 
Like this is this is how we are, people. We are people that sit back and watch things happen. We we are sitting back watching this happen. You mean to tell me that there was nobody with the good conscience, the good mind, the good logic to say that's enough and to stop this man from choking this guy to death on a crowded subway. So this is this is how we are in our community. We are spectators to things that are going on, to things that are happening. We are spectators until we become victims. That's what happens. We sit back and we watch it. And then after we come, we, we become a victim, then, you know, oh, it's time. It's time for some action or whatever. No, the time for action is now. We don't ever need to be spectating. Nope. We're not in a position to be spectators. We are not in position to be spectators. We don't have the latitude to spectate right now. We are getting mollywhopped in every freaking area of human existence in this country. We don't have the latitude or the luxury of sitting around saying, I'm going to sit this one out. Right. And so my thing is when, you know, and, and, and you know this for a fact, a lot of the stuff that I share, I, I share from what you share. And then I get a constant barrage of emails for the same stuff that's, hey, this is going on. Can you help me? My sister has been missing. My daughter has been missing. And some of these kids start missing when they were 10, 11, 12, and they would be grown by now. These aren't all just stuff. It's like they go missing and we forget. Right. I have a family member that's been missing now for um, going on three years. Right. I know. Young lady, she's been missing. Uh, and there's there's nothing. There's no information other than her child was dropped off um, with somebody by somebody else. And she was just missing. She's just missing. This is going on three years. We 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 don't know anything. We don't know anything. And this is this is how it is. We you know, um, the police don't know anything. Um, if, if another person, I'm sure there's somebody out there that knows something, but they're not talking about it. Um, it's just, you know, it's almost like she never existed. (laughs) This is, this is, but she did exist, but you know, this is, it's almost like she just, she was never here. That's how much progress has been made. Right. And again, um, if, she was a different complexion, different hair color. She may or may not be found because we still don't know what happened to Natalie, Natalie Holloway, but you got 15 documentaries. You got all this other stuff. And eventually, guess what happened? They kept hounding that dude till he went to Peru and did something and they got him there. Right. So that's, that, that's the difference. But you got to understand the system is built for them. Right. We have to systemize our existence in a way that is autonomous, meaning that we are responsible for it, that we don't have to seek their approval to handle our issues. The thing is, we want more uh, we want more acceptance than we want progress. Right. We want them to say, you can join us. You can live next door to me. You can do and the whole thing like you're talking about banks. If we're going to talk about any way of financial institution, I'm more preferable of black churches who are already pulling money out of the black community, creating credit unions. 
-hmm. and funding business development and residential development and academics and educational institutions out of that. Now, again, that's not going to be a panacea, but that's a better way of having more control of how you move and less accountability to them. And then you, you can sit up and do it. One of the biggest problems you have, nobody wants to talk about it, but one of the biggest problems you have, and I talk about it, and that's probably why I, 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 I don't get the play that some people get, is that you pulling $300 million a week out the black community through, through, through churches who then turn around on Monday and deposit it into white institutions, mm-hmm. who then turn right around and deny black homeowners are aspiring homeowners loans, black business owners loans, uh, and, and, and residential development investors loans. And, and so then what we do, we constantly what? Finance our own demise. Now, you're not going to close the wealth gap, but you definitely don't need to be financing your own demise. Right. So that's just simply understanding, again, how things work. I'm going to say this, and then I'll let you close out, Tiff. Uh, Dr. Uh, Bismarck, uh, God, what's was Desmond Bismarck. Uh, I think he's from Tanzania. And he was talking about the Tanzania. I think it's Tanzania. It's one of the places where they have copper mines. And he says, one of the poorest places in Africa. And AIDS rates off the chart, poverty off the chart, homelessness off the chart. But they had a compromise. But they didn't know how to mine them. They didn't know how to distribute, mine, and, and, and manage it. So they went out and got a, a mining company that did and brought them in, but they didn't understand business and how it works. And obviously, you also have some crooked politicians getting mm-hmm. handouts in that. You know that's <laughs> happening. But this is what the government negotiated. $75 million for the absolute rights minus 5% to mine it. So we're going to give you $75 million. We're going to totally take over the mine. It's ours now. We give you 5% of the proceeds that come from mining it after the $75 million. But we're not just going to do that. We're not paying you the $75 million up front. We'll pay you for it as we make it. So we're going to use your mine to earn the money. We're going to pay you for having control of your mine, and your poverty still goes because you refuse to learn how things work. That's the problem, no matter where you look at it. And it's not just in Tanzania. It's everywhere around here where we are actually sitting up and not taking the time to learn how things work, not investing in the understanding of it. And I I, I often talk about this. When I started doing research in uh, understanding multigenerational transmission of trauma, because everybody's talking about slavery's been over for 100 years, blah, blah, blah. And, And I stood up. And so I started doing that. And I came into epigenetics and all that. One of the things I came across was this big study done by Jews who were uh, survivors of the Holocaust. Here's the difference between Jews and blacks. Number one, blacks went 246 years of chattel slavery, and then another, what, 150 years of re-injury after chattel slavery, but 12 years of hell. No way to get around it. 12 years of hell for Jews. Here's the difference. Number one is they don't see themselves as victims. They declare themselves vehemently as survivors, mm-hmm. first and foremost, huge. Second thing is the third, the second generation removed. So you had the people who were survivors, their children. They, those children of the children of the survivors start having dreams about the Holocaust that they had not been told. And so they say, something's not right about this. I never shared that. How does? And it's so vivid and it's so accurate. So they started doing studies, and that's how epigenetics took off. It was always there, but it took off. And so we realized we could literally just 
passed down a genetic imprint called a genetic tag if the traumatic experience is strong enough we're passing it down but here's where the difference went they realized that wasn't normal guess what they did they invested some of the money they get received from their reparations into research on how to combat it how to deal with how to overcome it whereas then we're fighting that we don't want to know how we don't want to admit we are good no we're not no, there's absolutely no way we are. We are too creative and resilient to have gotten to this point and not made any ground. So we have to ask ourselves exactly what can we do differently? Mm -hmm. And it goes on and on. And like I said, you know, one of the things that I admire about you as a business partner, as a friend, which I hold is the highest account to be able to call you my friend, but is your heart, not I tell people all the time, she bumping. Heart of gold. Heart of gold. And the thing is, though, what makes you different is I've watched you move. I've watched you adopt families and make sure they're okay. I've watched you sit up and make moves to answer and respond to a need that was outside. Nobody wasn't going to say nothing if you didn't do it. But I watched you do it. And the thing is, you are a representation of what I saw growing up in the black. I can tell you, growing up with my great grandparents, my grandmother owned her own beauty salon. My grandfather was a master welder. Though we lived in an impoverished area, we weren't really poor, poor. You know, never worried about food, never worried about bills being paid, none of that stuff. I didn't know what that was, but I saw a lot of people around did. I watched my grandmother go in her deep freezer where she kept groceries. I mean, packed to the hem. She always kept stuff frozen in that deep freezer. I've watched her many times go in there and bag groceries and take them to people's houses. Because I heard so-and-so lost her job. I heard they having a, and, and I and I see that in your spirit. And that to me, that's us. That's who we are naturally. But we have been robbed of it over time because it's constant bam, bam, bam. And then this image of individualism. Yeah. Um, individualism. And I, I just want to say this, that a lot of times we don't, we don't trust uh, one another too, um, because I get a lot of stories from people that um, have good intentions out here doing good from people and they have been burned. And what I want to say about that is you will get burned. <laughs> you will get burned. Sometimes you will be out here doing your very best to help the community to, um, help the community excel in different areas to better the community, to educate the community, and you will get burned. But that's just a part of, that's just a part of the work that you do. What you do in that case is you keep going. Like there's yeah. been a lot of times where um, I've helped people and then they turn around and they do something crazy or they, you know, come back at me crazy or whatever. That does not deter me from um, the work that I know that I'm supposed to be doing. So, I mean, that's just that's just a part of the process. And so we have to work on a number of things. We have to work on unity. We have to work on trusting each other or whatever. And don't let your um, it's, it's you always use good logic. Um, use your discernment in any situation, because there's things that I just don't touch. You know, if it if it don't feel right or you know it's not i get a bad feeling from it or whatever um different situations i will not get involved in or whatever um but um don't 
behave in a way where you just don't trust anybody because of the things that go on in our community. Um, I was listening to a young lady was saying that, you know, she was homeless. She had run away from home or whatever, and um, she didn't have anywhere to go. So she had this friend from school and she said, hey, you know, um, after school, come and hang out with me or whatever, because she really didn't have anywhere to go. And her friend hung out with her, um, but she didn't let her mother know. So that when they hung out all evening and it got dark and they went back to the school. So her friend calls her mom and says, you know, well, here I am. Mom. So the, the woman was upset that her daughter, you know, because she had been worried about her own daughter and she picks up her daughter, but she leaves the other young lady out there in the dark at the school by herself at a bus stop. So we have to don't do things like that. Right. We are have to we have to be concerned. You know, when we see a situation that we know um, we need to help out in a situ situation, um, we need to do it. We need to do it. Um, we need to educate ourselves on what's going on. If you don't know that people are being sex trafficked and organs are being taken and you're listening mm -hmm. to this, Go get you some more information. Find out about it. Get active in your community. So that's what we can do right now. These are the things we can do right now. We can start in our own communities and in, in any area because a progress in any area will help this area. Right. So we have a lot of work to do. We have a lot of work to do. Amen. So yeah. these, Amen. Are, these are ways that we can get started. First and foremost, get educated. Second, you know, uh, be aware of your surroundings. Uh, third, uh, teach your children, especially your your you know your young children, your young boys and girls. Boys go missing as well, but the majority is young black females. You want to teach them. You want to teach them about online predators. You want to teach them about people walking up to them in a mall talking about a Bible study because they use all types of things. You know, would you like to visit my church or whatever? Teach them about about all of these things. So. Right. It's good to have a level of distrust, but you want to teach them on what to trust and what not to trust. The situations to trust and the situations not to trust. So we that's how we start. We educate the community. I'm 100 percent on that. I'm 100 percent on that. And um, on that note, uh, again, always thank you for coming on uh, for the people who believe in the work that we do at the Odyssey Project and the Black Voice Uh Look in the description box. There's a way for you to show your love and support, but also reach out with uh, questions uh, about anything. I, I, I love being a resource. I can point you to the site. There are almost 800 articles on that site on things that plague the black community solely from the research that I've done over the past 30 years. That alone. Then there's the black code, the black blueprint. There are a bunch of things on that site that you can get. So there are resources. Also, if you know of somebody that needs help, send an email, send an inbox, let us know what's going on so that we can be aware, so that we can put the word out, so that we can start trying to make these connections and these networks happen. Uh, everybody is sitting. One of the things that I see a lot is everybody sitting in their enclave, especially black men sitting in their enclaves, suffering, trying to figure it out by themselves because they've been convinced that if they act for help, ask for help, they're weak and that they're not men or that no it's nobody else's business no you don't need to be out there sharing all your business in the street but you need to have a resource something you can tap into something that you can go to that's going to help you solve it and so that's my uh that's what i want to encourage you to do now be vocal in your community and share and don't be afraid to ask for help once again tiff as always thank you for stopping by and i look forward 
uh, to the next time we get on, because there's so many things that we need to cover and talk about. And I think that we need to be consistent about this. And it's right, always good. It's always good to have a, a voice. My boy, Dr. Blanchard has a lot going on, but hopefully he's going to be back and we'll pick up the teachers uh, in, within the next uh, month or so. But he he's 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 in good hands. Um, but yeah, so that's going on. But I love to have opposing. Well, I get tired of monologuing, um, but I have to do what I have to do to keep things going. So once again, thanks, sis. And we'll be back. All you guys who stopped in, share this, talk about this, create conversations around it. And we're going to come back and circle back to it. On that note, I'm out of here. You guys have an unbelievable remainder of your day.